0: Mind Crime Liberty Show, with me, Susan Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today, we're joined by Right Ruminations to discuss what does a community devoted to free speech actually look like? I was interested in this topic because um, there's been a lot of discussion about cancel culture and um, and uh, free speech. And then you have people claiming, oh, no, we're for uh, free speech, but we're for act accountability culture. We're not for cancel culture because no one wants to support cancel culture because that that's always considered bad. Um, and but I mean, the, the question really is, what do we mean by free speech and why is free speech good? And how does it relate to how how you deal with other people? Um, so, I mean, some people will just hold sort of a thin view on free speech, that free speech, well, you know, you can say what you wish, but if you happen to, to live in, I don't know, for instance, if you happen to live in a um, a, a, a condominium or a big sort of housing development created by a, a corporation which decides that, oh, no, you can't uh, advocate um, anarcho-syndicalism. And if you do, you'll get booted out. Um some people say, well, that's fine. That's free speech. You know, it's not the government's coercing you. Um, but then when do you get to the situation where nobody will, I suppose, nobody will employ you? And um, if you say a certain thing, then you get the question, well, is that sort of verging on? Well, I, I, I'm not trying to say that that's the same as sort of direct violent action. But that seems even if they legally believe in sort of free speech as such. They don't. It seems to be a, a formal legal uh, position rather than a uh, a more str- stronger held view that there's something about you, an individual being able to speak their mind with minimal uh, legal or social repercussions. Uh, so I thought, well, who's who's a good guy to ask about this topic it was right ruminations. Um, you may have come across our debate on Todd Lewis's channel, uh, Praise of Folly, a number of years ago. Uh, on anarcho-capitalism, and um, R.A. made the argument that uh, anarcho-capitalism was antithetical to free speech, and that was one of his major arguments against it. Now, we're going to part that for today, uh, but ju- what we want to talk about today, what is um, what is free speech and why is it valuable? So, all right, thanks for joining us. And um, so, firstly,
1: in your view, what, what would you consider free speech to be? First of all, thank you for uh, having me back. Um, I think that freedom of speech should be viewed in terms of um, the kind of, of culture that it involves. It, it is true that there is not likely to ever be um, a completely thick view of of freedom of speech implemented simply because of, of human nature's rather conformist nature. Uh, I think that really... What you have to ask yourself is a positive vision in mind uh, when one is advocating freedom of speech. And I see that as a, a kind of culture that we've come closer to in, say, the past several decades than than any society previously. Uh, that the kind of begins with the Enlightenment, that that you have people who are excited about new things, new ideas where people want to debate uh, the latest book, or they want to um, talk about the latest engaging film, uh, where, where people do have their own ideas, uh, where, where people do not always have to be on the same page morally. I mean, if you if you think of someone like Stephen Fry, for example, uh, whom uh, goodness knows I have, I have many disagreements with, he he's sort of as a cultural character it embodies the the image of a uh, free speech society that it's a fairly kind of modern um urbane uh, way of that is um maybe more more transcendent than um biological so i i, I kind of want to get away from <clears throat> the sort of systematic view of, of freedom of speech where there's a the question of what well, is it purely legal uh, how legal does it does it have to be um, <clears throat> or, or, you know, how, how far can the, the legal prohibitions on speech extend? Uh, you know, sh- should, it always be, uh, prohibited that a business, uh, bar someone on the basis of supporting something very controversial like pedophilia? Well, I don't, I don't really think that that's feasible or possible, like just simply on the level of would it ever happen or not? Um, so I speech is as much a cultural phenomenon uh, as it is a legal phenomenon, even though, of course, things like, say, the U.S. First Amendment are uh, legal preconditions for that uh, cultural social arrangement, if, they, if that uh, begins to answer the question.
0: Yep, that, that's getting there. Um, so it's, it's more of an overall culture and an approach to ideas and, and things more than um, set legal or social uh, prohibitions. Um, I think that's what I interpret you as saying. Um, why do you think free speech is valuable? Why is it something that society should encourage?
1: I, I think that, that society should encourage it, um, because if you look at the uh, kinds of societies that that have risen hand in glove with freedom of speech, that they are the same societies in which we've seen the rise <clears throat> of of capitalism, of, of productivity, of um, various productions. I mean, just look at speech did at least begin to become freer when people even began to think of, of freedom of speech. Uh, in, in the Enlightenment, uh, that, I mean, this is the era in which we see the rise of um, like m- much more sophisticated art forms, uh, like uh, Bach and Handel. We see we see more refined uh, uh, and, and engaging philosophers like R- Rene Descartes, David Hume, uh, and, and then like in the 19th century, when when it actually begins to intensify in practice, like unlike in the 18th century, you actually see some uh, facsimile of freedom of speech emerge uh, i the, the culture becomes even more um saturated by by something imaginative transcendent uh i mean you have the music of richard wagner you have philosophers like nietzsche even people who uh, who would rail against freedom of speech i mean that's that's kind of one of the is that yes? You have say Catholic monarchists or neo Nazis or, or whatever uh, talking on the internet, decrying freedom of speech. Yet that yet their whole the whole cultural milieu in which they are participating is is really one that does not exist without freedom of speech. Because were you in a society that that uh, v- that did not value freedom of speech in any way, then you, if you were behaving like that, you would very quickly find yourself uh, shut down. I I I think that all the idea of a free speech uh, culture that goes hand in hand with a, with a broader um, kind of expansive artistic and in, intellectual culture is is emblematic. It is is conducive toward the the cultivation of the transcendent uh, in in humanity. So that it's it's not simply a matter of you have these herd animals who. Uh, follow a set of moral rules and um, just sort of sort of live purely within nature. I, I see the ability to engage in freedom of speech as as, as part of man's conquest of nature. So it, it really is something that, that humans become more capable of as they become uh, more cognizant of, of the transcendent in in human nature in a very concrete kind of way.
0: So, if I understand correctly, um, free speech is valuable because it, it takes humanity away from a herd sort of mentality, and it's there is something about uh, cultivating uh, there's a there's a virtue in cultivating your your own um, aesthetic uh, ethical views, which is a, a good in and of itself, irrespective of the content. Of the views held, um, and so the society should sort of strive for um, people to work it out and sort of figure figure out for themselves in the in, in a relativistic sense necessarily, but rather that needs to be done in addition to sort of being correct. Is that is, is that what you say? So because because obviously one of the arguments against free speech is well uh, you know should, should should we allow error to spread? Um, so I, I if I understand you correctly you're saying that um we should the, the the process of um thought of the individual to come to particular conclusions, that process in and of itself is is valuable. Would that be a fair summation of your position? Uh well
1: not not um necessarily irrespective of the conclusions. I, I th- in order for the conclusions to develop in a desirable direction, some facilitation of those individuals who are um, ambitious enough to be uh, pioneers in ideas. Um I mean, there, there are plenty of people whose uh, contributions I would tend to view as more or less worthless. And I, I'm not sure that I'm in celebration of um, m- mediocre medi- but I, I do think that among people who are who actually have something interesting to um, to contribute, that that you want to have uh, a culture that facilitates those people. I, I don't. I th- I certainly think it matters uh, what direction they take this in, but the, I I don't believe it's possible in the confines of a more traditional um, censorship oriented. Um, <clears throat> um view on speech it's 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 not irrespective it's not necessarily conversation in general or or this kind of self-actualization in general that is is desirable but rather it's the pursuit of excellence and i think as either the lowest common denominator or the existing establishment is allowed to set the parameters then that that's going to lead to a standard of, of mediocrity and, and it's not going to allow society to develop in the way that I would like to see it develop. So it's really more about the pursuit of excellence rather than um, self-actualization. OK, so so you, so it's,
0: it's free speech sort of analogous to competition then that via sort of competition and the and the sort of clash of ideas that the, the best and the most excellent ones will survive.
1: Well, it it is um, analogous to competition. Um, not necessarily that the the best ideas will will always survive, but al- almost that they won't even be able to put themselves forward as competitive if if it is existing moral standards that really are um, are, are going to kind of set the parameters uh, for the discussion. Um, I, I it it seems to me that um that it's it's almost about competition in a more indirect sense it's it's about the the kinds of um of people who who will have the opportunity to uh, put themselves out there to to be made known as public present as as having a public presence um, so it's, I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that it, yes, it is about competition, but not necessarily in the kind of very um, like systematic, narrow, and, and technical way that that say um, J.S. Mill would have used. It not that not that I, I I am against John Stuart Mill's um, defense of freedom of speech. I, th- I think that much that he says is correct, but I I do want to make it clear that it goes beyond this kind of Truism or platitude of may the best idea win. It's it's about rather more than that.
0: So in a sort of an ideal, relatively ideal uh, society devoted to sort of free speech, what kind of institutions um, and what kind of sort of organizations uh, do you think would um, arise in the society, and 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 what would it sort of look like? how would you say i mean a good contrast maybe from for today you know how, how would a, a free speech society differ from the one we currently have or do you think we do actually have free speech today as a, as a genuine sort of free speech society
1: i i would see freedom of speech in this sense as something that we are losing so we, i mean we may have it compared to other societies but at the same time it's decline um seems to be obvious i would say that universities would certainly look different um that if if you look at both conservative and um leftist universities of course most of them are leftist now but even the conserv their conservative competition th- there is a sense in which um the college culture for example is no longer um in any way a place where people come to learn to be adults and I, I don't i do not mean that in the jordan peterson sense of uh getting jobs and, and getting married and then this kind of very uh, it's a wonderful life template of what it is to be an adult but i, I mean where they come to actually they talk about careers and to um th- Mark on the world and to to solidify uh develop their worldviews uh to to have sort of a better sense of mastery over reality um whereas instead it seems as though on, on both left and right academic academic environments have become um places of almost sort of juvenile conformity i mean it's it's not even a sort of um necessary pragmatic conformity, but it almost seems to be a sort of very, very underdeveloped childish sort of moral conformity, a sense of that this makes me <clears throat> a good person. So there's just no sense of nuance, there's no sense of professionalism, um, there's there's no sense of re- of really valuing the cultivation of excellence. So I think that certainly academic culture would look much more uh robust and and really would be able to operate as a profession uh more so than a, a kind of uh finishing uh daycare uh school uh i also think that um that publishing um would would be an that is the written word i mean if you look at what reactionaries say I mean, if you, if you think of the um like the dissident right, like the the more radical nationalistic elements of the dissident right, say four years ago, they they were always railing against books. I mean, they would call uh, the the fixation with learning autistic. They would say, you know, that 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 people who are too interested, I don't know, in in Tesla or English history or something, are really just just not sufficiently manly that. Uh, that we rely too much on books and the written word and have this kind of fetish for it, and you you, you see the same kind of contempt for say great books or Western civilization uh, with the left. So I I think that a, a kind of uh, reenchantment with the printed word, with the idea that that books are kind of an unlikely luxury uh, of which, for which we should be. Uh, very grateful, Um, plays a large part in in what a free speech society would look like. I mean, aside from the press um, and uh, the universities, the the academic world, I I think that the arts um, in general uh, would would do well to move away from making, from focusing on this kind of didactic uh, moral statements on everything, which which really has a tendency to make the arts ugly. It makes them inferior. Um, which you think of so, some of the sort of most enchanting uh, fiction, I mean, if you if you take Tolkien for example, with uh, the Lord of the Rings and his his other uh, works of fiction, I mean, one of one of the things that makes them so enjoyable is that they don't have an obvious didactic moral lesson. That they kind of are able to stand as works of excellence. Of of transcendence, so I, I think that the arts would certainly be a, a third beneficiary uh, of of a free speech society, and something facilitated by a free speech society, in that they would be able to kind of, without having to necessarily be facilitators for whatever the kind of latest moral standard of of the, uh, you know, iconoclastic frenzy is.
0: How would, so, so from what I'm getting from you, a, a lot of your focus is on, we um, speak with the university that should pr- pursue excellence and it's just some sort of, as it, like just a, a credentialized uh, organization and it should be going for excellence in all, in all manners and should really be a genuine sort of elite institution, uh, which it no longer is. Um, I think that's a broadly fair um, statement. Um, What I'm interested in with respect to free speech, however, though, is how would the free speech society deal with the heretic? So a lot of the, by heretic, I'm I'm using a very um, broad sense to anybody who is Sufficiently at odds with a particular widely held orthodoxy, um, ha, ha, How can you deal with them? Um, and how so, and ha, how does this sort of go with the free speech society particularly so like a university, for instance, uh, can, can there be particular um, non as it were methodological standards that you can hold your faculty to? in their just in their published work or their speakings ignore their personal conduct that you think would be reasonable to um, remove them from the position of so I mean so for instance I mean would it be reasonable in your view to fire say Peter Singer for advocate well for arguing that infanticide is in principle fine if the parents don't care up to the age of six months if I remember correctly or do you think that any sort of academically held uh reasoned position should be uh a, a sort of promoted within well well be tolerated as it were in a genuine sort of historic sense in in the university and um and that should be able to be continued and that should be fine and there should be no problem for year or anything like that um or do you think there are certain things that well, whilst we want to pursue excellence, because excellence is the goal rather than just uh, individual self-actualization, there is a a place for um, um, excluding the heretics somehow. Uh, and on a more general point, how do you think what people say and believe ought to influence everyday um Everyday uh, behavior. So, for instance, could you ostracize uh, someone who advocated for infanticide? Would that be something consistent with Freedom of Speech? Just that very few people would do business with him, for instance. Would that be something you think would be consistent with the Free Speech Society? And how how do you sort
1: of cut the cake, as it were? Well, b- because <clears throat> the Freedom of Speech Society uh, is a phenomenon as opposed to an abstract system, that is, it's something that I actually want to see exist, that it it absolutely, whether it should or not, will uh, have some equivalent of um, of dealing with the heretic, with he who is outside of the bounds of what is commonly held to be appropriate, uh, morally acceptable. I, I I'm sort of less interested in what is a heresy at any given time and and simply more at at how those things are dealt with given that it is inevitable that there are certain opinions that simply will not tol- be tolerated by a society even if what those are changes i think that first of all um they should not be dealt with legally generally if if they are ideological issues so of course say they're enemies of the state i think that that they can be who are disclosing privileged information and and i i'm not talking about any particular examples uh truly um but simply you know running the state does require a certain degree of what you might call administrative censorship however when you're talking about ideological censorship that's when i have um a, a, a problem with it, um, and I, I think that some version of the United States First Amendment is <clears throat> really the the best um, example of freedom of speech in in concrete terms looks like, or the that is the most concrete precondition. Uh, for freedom of speech is is some kind of separation of state and ideological speech because then even if you have other states that do not have a first amendment it does serve as an example to those places it 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 sets the ideological like tenor of society it it p- gives people an example of what uh, freedom of speech looks like it's, it 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 I think resonates with with a lot of people as a reasonable arrangement okay I it, I will have to follow the physical uh, laws as they are passed. Uh, You know, there may be taxes, there may be zoning laws, there may be uh, trade laws, maybe maybe regulations on any number of things, but there is this kind of safe zone of, you know, but I will what I think uh, about the given arrangement, I will be able to contribute to, um the the formation in some small way of of what those arrangements look like in terms of enforcement in extra legal ways like say with a university administration i think that that w- what is important is that uh, the the inevitable uh reliance on ostracization uh of um social shunning of, of maybe people being in danger of being terminated, I think was your example. What What is important is that those be uh, mitigated by an underlying uh, cultural uh, d- desire for excellence over uh, moral signaling. Um, I, so, a cultural issue than a legal issue, in that there needs to be an advocacy for the um, pursuit of of excellence over iconoclasm. I I I think that's what's most important. Yes, it's it's inevitable that you have professional um, restrictions on, on what the ideological order of a given institution is. Where that becomes a problem is, is when it ceases to be a kind of reasonable uh, professional standard and becomes, uh, I, I, as I said, iconoclastic. R- really, what it comes down to, I think, is in law, separation of, of state and ideological speech, and then in the world, in the private sector, um, a, a strong distaste for moral iconoclasm, which which elevates uh, sort of the um which which really elevates this kind of knee jerk moralism above above anything productive or nuanced or interesting, the that that would seem to be the qualitative key is is the opposition to iconoclasm.
2: I'm going to ask you a question here. Uh, I don't know. The Could it be that free speech is just uh, somewhat fragile insofar as uh, the general inclination is no one actually wants free speech? Uh, but, I mean, everyone's fine with, as the cliche goes, everyone's fine with free speech that they agree with, but no one's fine with free speech they don't agree with. Um, so one of the reasons why the, the topic, I think, is something like NCAPS in, in are against be against free speech. which us go back to your debate here. And the, the, the one reason why I'm an anarchist is I don't think the state is neutral. Um, I actually think the state is quite mediocre here. Uh, your, your pursuit of excellence point, I would say the state gets more in the way here. I don't think the state is... Like, I agree with the sort of... Ironically, I agree with the far left and the far right on these, these questions here. And the, so far as the state isn't just some... You know bumbling like neutral judge here so i don't know so maybe maybe the maybe the maybe it's just a sort of particular time and place based on technology here that has just passed here and now that now that you know zuckerberg and the cia and various other organizations can control the internet in some ways it'll just die off so maybe it's just material things that happen it's not really a culture thing or it could be the state of course that's controlling it so my question here is, like, you said that free speech is declining. Um, when was it When was it good? When did we have a good free speech culture? Because people on the left and the right will point out that Lincoln, you know, basically shut down the press. Anyone who went – I think Tom Lorenzo's book, The Real Lincoln, points out that, like, throughout the Civil War, you can't really send any – we shut down Baltimore newspapers – it's the same way in Woodrow Wilson, World War One. I. I presume similar things happen in other countries. Actually, no similar things happen in other countries, too. Actually, the West was probably arguably – U.S. West was probably one of the freest ones, which is maybe an argument in favor of it, or it's an argument against it in a way, too. We've never really had free speech. Uh, 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 so so, so I, what you said it's been in decline. When was it good? And then what made the decline? If I, if I to ask a concrete question here, I mean, that that would be my concrete question, because the anarchists would say we might never have had it. It might be a future thing or something
1: like that. <clears throat> In absolute terms, I simply think that, say, for the past 200 years, it, it became more present than it ever was in any other time in history. So it, it was good only in a relative sense. I would agree with the anarcho-capitalists to uh, support a free speech culture, that it is <clears throat> something of the future. I mean, an, an analogy would be with how Ayn Rand thought about capitalism. <clears throat> I mean, you could you could say, yes, she thought that when capitalists were speaking was probably for about you know two hundred years maybe before the New Deal, something like that. But ultimately something whose development ideally would be in the future. So it's it's an ideal that is only ever um present relative to its absence in in times prior. so i I, I would say probably the past two centuries, even now, compared to what it normally is, i th- I think that we have an advantage with respect to freedom of speech. Its decline has been, I think, sort of, um, I don't know, almost a a post-millennial thing, sort of since the, um, I I suppose the seeds of it are are planted around the the turn of the uh, millennium. I mean, obviously, there there are factors from before that that contribute to the degradation of freedom of speech, but it, it does seem to be something, say, in the last 20 years, and certainly in um, the last five, six years, it, that in decline has become more tactile, tangible, <clears throat> that um, you are also correct that the, the state is not a neutral actor that it's just, has ever just sort of defended I- ideas or been indifferent to public discourse. My view is only that the state is a precondition for um, for some kind of of institutional uh, neutrality, I, I, I not to to go on, based on on previous discussions that I've had uh, publicly that the that power in a sense is a precondition for freedom. So it's not that the state is neutral, but the state kind of um, sort of provides the groundwork for private actors then to um to in, engage freely I mean it's al- almost like a kind of a baseline uh foundation because I think that human beings by nature i are, are not the average human the the is is not very apt to uh tolerate like excellence or or freedom in society, so that you do have to have the state to kind of um create society. In a sense in in the modern sense of society, that is you need the state, but that at the same time that that force that that power um of that institution then can become a hindrance if if it continues to if the, sort of the foundation um be, becomes more important than the the thing that uh, the top of it, which I guess would be modern. Um, the sophisticated uh, de- de- developed human existence how would you
0: think i mean this is slightly off um actually no i'll get this first so if you had a free speech what i'm thinking is if you had like universities in sort of a broadly more uh, free speech uh orientated society irrespective of whether you should ostracize these people or whatever i th- i think um well i would imagine that you would have universities which would be uh would almost seek out the best heretics, the best people who uh, advocate for wildly contra- contrary contrary uh, positions and um, encourage public debates with them. I think one of the problems with one of the many bold problems of a modern university is it's uh, rather insular and doesn't sort of it doesn't um, doesn't seem to want to encourage thought and sort of a, a development in sort of society in general. It sort of just talks to itself um, to a large extent. And um, you get the universities are you know, cancelling certain... I ta- don't um, cancel culture. Um, they, they stop various speakers coming in under various guises. I mean, that, that would seem to be entirely antithetical. So, I mean, I, I would imagine... E- in my sort of idealized view, even if you would have like a, I think it's fine for you to have like a Protestant university. And if you're not a Protestant, you, you, well, you, if you move away from, I don't know, the Westminster Confession or something, you're fired, fine. But if you want to sort of like engage like a Catholic or an atheist or an Orthodox or whatever in sort of like a public discourse and the best sort of, uh, and try to um, deal with the, the most sophisticated arguments, um, from the other side i think that would be at least a sign that you know free speech and excellence is sort of um valued would, would that be something you would generally advocate and do you think that would be a good sign of a a society that is sort of moving in the sort of the free speech culture direction
1: yes i would about the ambition of, of, of those who produce insular works of, of excellence, even though that, that is what I prioritize. At at the same time, I I take the point. I mean, in order for academics to do their, their jobs well, they have to be, um, they have to be sharpened by contrary opinion. It it just seems to me that to be a mature intellectual is by nature to deal with questions that are or to deal with with positions that are the opposite of your own th- that if, if you cannot do that really doing your job as an intellectual and if if the intellectuals in society are not competent they're not doing their job then that overall is is not really indicative of a developed competent society and and furthermore I th- i think you're you're correct that it's that it's indicative of an absence of uh, a freedom of speech society a- as an indicator, I think that's perfectly reasonable as a kind of litmus test of is there a full approximation of the free speech ideal? Yes, do do academics deal with serious uh, contrary positions? Is there genuine academic uh, competition where 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 positions? that that are unpopular in academia are given a fair hearing so that they can be uh, dealt with successfully or otherwise
0: um i yes um so what do you think about the public nature would you you think that universities should have like a a public um version of these sort of debates and discussions or do you think it's perfectly fine for it to be sort of within the university because one of my ideas would be that um you know, it's sort of opened, not actually open to the public, but at least recorded or something that, you know, this can be seen as. And so, uh, and so then the, the public as a whole gets an idea of, you know, different perspectives and will be able to see um, the relative merits of either position. Would you, do you think something the university should have some sort of public aspect like that? Or would you think it's it would be OK just for it to be sort of internal?
1: I I certainly think it should have a public component. Um, I think that it's not, if it is simply behind the scenes, then it becomes uh, this kind of uh, intellectual masturbation where it it just is sort of done for the sake of almost the entertainment of the intellectuals. I don't Really know what the the point of that is, unless you're talking about, say, indirectly influencing public policy, tanks or uh, to legislators or something like that. But but really, <clears throat> since that's not exactly how academic culture operates in practice anyway it it operates through the kind of trickling down of opinions through students the formation of students uh how those people then go and populate um various institutions in society i i i don't really see why it for it to be insular maybe there are some issues that are simply so sensitive um, that that maybe should be reserved as kind of these esoteric proposals that maybe you know are only passed on to legislators or to businessmen or or what have you. But by and large, um, I, I think that the real danger there is is simply in in having the academia become a, a sort of arena of um, simple idea play and not actually a place that has any um pragmatic investment in having an influence uh, on the the world i i would be in, in um favor of of a public component for sure moving away
0: from the university and um sort of uh, the pursuit of excellence there um how would you think employers in a free speech society outside the academic realm would, would, would deal with things. So um, the, there's various stories you're probably aware of. Um, well, there was one guy who's worked for a supermarket um, and uh, put a video up. It was on YouTube complaining about Indian um, customers because they were hard work and kept wanting discounts all the time. And then uh, the supermarket fired him. Um, what would you think the sort of free speech decide, what do you think the relationship um, between sort of, as it were, private individual speech and how that should ideally impact um, how you're sort of viewed by your employer for continuing sort of uh, em- employment? Or do you think it's perfectly reasonable to have, as it were, outside of work speech codes effectively, which if you breach, you then... Uh, could be fired. And uh, when I say reasonable, I mean, this is something would be generally sort of held, not like maybe, you know, maybe part of a seminary or something like that. Uh, you know, you're just working in, I don't know, some sort of corporation dealing in, I don't know, selling cheese or something. Um, how do you think a, a genuine free speech society would deal with issues like that?
1: Uh, I think that this might be more of a qualitative uh, problem than a quantitative one. So when you're issue, surely to some extent, is is freedom of speech. In that, yes, I don't really think it's uh, reasonable or sane for uh, the employer, the the company, to be breathing down the necks of say construction workers or you know, a grocery store stock people. Um, but ne- but nevertheless, I, I I'm more. I think that this problem is more the result of the the type of ideology that's in vogue right now, more so than of whether businesses should be allowed to do this or not. I think it's inevitable that there will be some kind of um, institutional enforcement just for, for PR purposes. Um, but it's just the nature of the things are so juvenile. Um, you know, complaining about customers or or someone tweeted something. You know, some construction worker some grocery store employee uh you know receptionist someone who no one cares about no one cares about their opinion it it a uh, kind of juvenile um sort of just just worship of pettiness that that seems to pervade so much these days that that is the real problem um it, it, insofar as as it is quantitative, how much should they be they be involved in in the everyday uh, lives of employees with respect to what, what they say? I I I really think that that is something that has to be dealt with on, on the there because on the qualitative level, uh, if, if you have this ideology that is about the the elevation of of mediocrity that that is ostensibly egalitarian um that that wants this kind of revaluation of standards uh it, it, then then you're going to have businesses treating people like it's daycare you're going to have this this kind of very school marmish culture of you know you you cannot say that that's not very nice that's it's, a, it's it's really this it's in a weird way it's almost more of an aesthetic problem it it, it is like that that the institutions have not gone beyond kind of you know elementary uh level of uh, like civics class or something um if, if that makes any sense it's it's really more of an ideological uh, issue than a legal issue and i think a, that that's certainly an ideology that that absolutely needs to be destroyed
0: no i i, I, I certainly agree that the, the the current way of going about it uh is is ridiculous uh in the extreme and it was in the example I gave, it's perfectly obvious that the the guy who worked for the store uh, was not representing the company in any way. He, he did stupidly leave his T-shirt on from the company. I was all about that. But it was, it was it was absolutely no chance that anybody actually thought that this is what the uh, supermarket in question actually believed. Um, So it, it's. And it, the issue, I think, I think the way and I don't know exactly how to circumscribe it, there seems to be. You have to have a, 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 like a logical connection between the type of what they're doing and what they're saying. So, for instance, if what they're saying basically has a zero relevance to the job that they're doing, well, effectively, you should just ignore it, even if you think it's wrong. Um, I mean, you know, what does construction work got to do? Well, I was going to say anarcho-syndicalism, but I suppose you could argue that. Um, but I mean, it, it's it. most of the stuff is so far removed from what we're actually doing. And if they're a decent employee and they're pleasant and, you know, they do their job. I mean, I, 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 it just seems perverse and small minded to fire them. Now, if it was the case that you have a job which is more, how should you say, ideological in a sense, uh, that is um, what their job is, is to propagate particular ideas then you know this is something that you would or should take into account so for instance you know if you have a bishop it was um, famously it was the bishop of durham prior to tom wright who uh, didn't believe in the physical resurrection of christ and went on record as saying that he believed in spiritual resurrection i'm like yeah i'm pretty sure this is like not what you should do if you're a bishop that would seem sort of perfectly reasonable to you know go hang on no you can't go about saying that if you're the bishop well actually to be fair if you got that position anyway you've made a mistake whoever hired him um so i i I think the way that we can attempt to go around this is um to sort of circumscribe what the work is about that said um then you could get somewhat creative and say ah well I am a, I don't know, a Jewish only business Um, and then we we only hire Jews. But but being Jewish isn't necessarily related to what you're doing now. I know this is like not speech, but sort of um, being as it were. And then going down line, line going down is kind of going down some of the arguments used in sort of like the anti-discrimination legislation, which is like, well, you know, it's a pub doesn't matter who turns up in the pub. It's like, well, it kind of does depending on the atmosphere and various things. So that's my reticence to some extent of of necessarily advocating the relationship between the job and the speech um, outside um, outside the job. Um, But I, I think that's probably the way that makes the most sense. Do you have any comments on on my sort of general approach as to how you determine what speech outside the job kind of is sort of sanctionable and which isn't.
1: I I think that you're absolutely correct that it it should be um, judged by the relevance to the position in terms of, in a pragmatic sense, what it is that you're trying to do. If you have a bishop and he's not teaching the doctrines of his given denomination, then, then that sort of defeats the point of having a bishop. If you have... Uh, clientele going into a bar who are, are really disruptive to the kind of atmosphere you're trying to create per se a problem to have them there that that is relevant to your institution um if you have a a professor let's say who advocates something as unpopular as as pedophilia, and then like all your donors start pulling, uh, your funding dries up. No one wants to come to your institution. Then that's kind of a problem per se uh, for your the thing that you are trying to do, which is to accomplish some kind of a tangible good. Um, I that seems to me to be a, a reasonable um, arrangement. That is 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 the the reasonable control of this private sector kind on on what is it's allowed to be said publicly and isn't it just doesn't have anything to do with what you're trying to do? Like, is it in any way relevant, or are you just showing off?
0: No, I think that's um, I, 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 I think that's um, fair. Oh, on the, on the more pragmatic level, um, what's, your, what's your view? Of how social media should go about. Um, Pleasing themselves. As you may be aware, lots of people have been uh, kicked off Twitter over places for disinformation recently, which is otherwise known as saying things opposite to the CDC, amongst others. If you were to have, say, a, um, a social media site as such, um, what would you think would be a sort of reasonable policies um, to hold on that? Uh, I mean, so typically, Um, people don't say oh yeah social media sites should lie lots of hardcore pornography and um, videos uh, jihadi videos of beheadings for instance Um, so where would you go at if you were sort of like a social media, if you were Mark Zuckerberg for instance, what what, what approach do you think you would have to sort of um, monitoring content on Facebook for instance or other such channels
1: um, I, I guess a, a practical way of, or a simple way of doing that, would be to distinguish between opinions and actions. So uh, there's some speech that is more like an action than, than an opinion. So if you're disclosing private information about someone, or you're posting a video where there are uh, participants dealing in something, let's say non-consensual, or is violent, or is I- illegal, then, then maybe your underlying opinion that that it was a good idea to post those things should be permitted, but there's also an action involved. If you are just uh, slandering someone and calling them names, well, that's there's, there's a sense in which that almost lies more in the realm of behavior than it does in any kind of exchange of ideas. Now, I, I don't want the state to look at it that way, because I think it would be too convenient for the state to find ways of censoring whatever it wanted. But for a private company... I think sort of making a distinction between um, speech as action, as an extension of action, and then uh, speech uh, per se as, as communication of opinion uh, might be a reasonable place to draw the line as at least a rough guideline.
0: Uh, that That's fair. I mean, I, I ran a forum for a time and um, my view was, well, as long as it was just ideas and it wasn't personal, then, you know, it was fine, you know. I think I cut down on swearing and other stuff like that. But I was very much like, I'm not going to send. Now, I suppose you could argue that the form is content in a sense. But I, I tried very much to have a, a position that. I mean, it didn't really need to do much moderation because the type of people are there anyway. Um, but I, I was very much of a, the view that, in, in, in at least in a pragmatic sense, we can make a distinction between form and content. And what I wasn't trying to. Um, sensor was content, it was form rather than content. Um, that was the way I um, I, I attempted to go. Oh, uh, interesting with uh, Facebook, um, they've now seen a, a, a drop in uh, their user base uh, recently be, and their uh, shares are born. so their, their recent editorial decisions uh, may or may not have been um, good for business. We're nearing uh, the hour now. So are you any final thoughts on uh, the free speech topic and how it relates to society as a whole?
1: Uh, well, I'll uh, finish by thanking you again for having me on. It's good to be back and say that um, I think that freedom of speech is uh, part and and partial with the development of a, a healthy, robust society. I think that it's kind of miraculous that it even ever did develop as far as it as as it has um, and, and that we ought to appreciate what we have while we still have um, in, any uh, lasting residue of it um, uh, before before we uh, let uh, that that particular social advantage um, completely fall away from us um, I I would rather live, in the kind of society that at least pretends to have freedom of speech, uh, rather than uh, live in the kind of society that um, openly uh, parades itself as a pro-censorship, because I think we can just see empirically what that kind of society looks like, and I certainly have no desire to live into that in that kind of society.
0: Thank you for joining us again, Right Ruminations. I just now would like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com.